0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get Ready to Thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. This is the second episode of a mini-series I am calling Thriver Stories. Now, I first came across Kelly Strife through a hashtag, and honestly, if that isn't a sign of the times, I don't know what is. I share more about this in this episode, but it wasn't just that first post that drew me to Kelly's words. It was that when I scrolled down through the rest of her words, I saw a woman who was deeply grounded in God's word and truth. And then when I scrolled back up to where this part of her story plays out, I saw the same thing. And it wasn't a woman who was ignoring the pain and the loss of that moment, but a woman who was saying, this is what we're going through right now. We're in the middle of it and you are invited along. Now, Kelly doesn't shy away from the hard places she's walked through, but she invites people into the very place she is walking through alongside God. And I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know that despite the difficult things that life throws my way, that I can walk through them with him. Now, I trust this conversation will encourage you, whether you are walking through something difficult right now or you have in the past. And if you are someone who is in a waiting season, which I feel like for so many of us, we are waiting on something, Kelly discusses this too. I'm trusting that this second episode of Thriver Stories, that in this, you will move one step closer to thriving. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with my friend Kelly Strife. And Kelly is a writer, a speaker, a podcaster. And I actually first came across Kelly and her story through a hashtag. Um, I follow this hashtag called Hope Writers, which is an incredible community that I was part of for a season and I loved. And I'm just going to read you the post that I saw. I believe it's from October 2019. It says, I bust my own table at Cracker Barrel because the waitress wouldn't let me sit by the window And I was like, what is this? And I read the caption. It said, the first installment in a new series I like to call, and you thought I was handling this well. Cleared the dishes, took them to the kitchen, wiped the table down, and ate my meal. Didn't enjoy a single bite, but I sat where I wanted. And then the hashtag, and you thought I was handling this well, and hashtag, this is how I grieve. And I read that post, and I thought, first of all, okay, this girl's funny, Um, but she's also been through some hard things. And I wanted to know more about her story, what she'd walked through. And even as I scrolled down um, below this part of her story began, I saw a woman who um, was deeply faithful, deeply rooted in God. And I wanted to know more about her. And so Kelly and I began a little bit of an online friendship. And I'm so excited to be able to share her words and her story here. Her podcast is called Even If, and we're going to dive more into that later on, but it is uh, such a encouragement to me um, in various parts of my life, and I trust it will be to you as well when you go check it out after this conversation. But Kelly, thank you for being here, and share with me more about who
1: you are and where you are right now in the world. Yes, Oh, it's so good to be here. This is so funny. I did not know that's how we first connected yeah. and I'm dying that that's the post that caught your attention um, because it was true. I, I did that. Uh, and I, that's just how I was telling the story at the time. But yes, yeah, so I live in Atlanta, Georgia. My husband and Peter and I live in Atlanta and we have been married for about three and a half years now. He works in live event production, so his world looks very different right now. He's usually doing concerts and conferences and events and things like that and out on the road frequently, but he's been home for the last year, so we've had a lot of time together working from home. I have my hand in a few different things. I am doing a lot of writing and speaking and that kind of stuff, but I also work for a nonprofit that does orphan care in Southwest Kenya, so do that do uh, writing and training for teams and missionaries that are headed over. And then I'm working for Hope Writers, the the organization that you found me through the hashtag. So life is full, but lots of good time together in Atlanta these days. So fun. Um,
0: So that feels like one of those jobs for your husband that, uh, as you said, like live production and um, concerts, that's definitely been um, a challenge. Has that been, I mean, your world has totally totally flipped upside down in this past year. Um, Just tell me a little bit about how this past year has been for you guys.
1: Yeah. It's funny. We, Peter and I usually have traveled a lot the whole time we've been married. That's been a big part of our life. And the last time we traveled really was in February of this year. And he was doing an event on a cruise ship, which is crazy. We were on a cruise ship in February and haven't been anywhere really since then, except like our home and, and things like that. But, you know, it was kind of this slow realization that, huh, I think things might look a little different for a while. Okay, we can can do that. And then it was this suddenly like, okay, things might look a lot different for a while. And then just kind of like transitioning into going, okay, how do we pivot? How do we change? How do we... In terms of career and finances and all that, how do we do things differently, but also in terms of how we function as a couple and in our marriage. And I know so many people are experiencing that right now, but just going like our rhythms and routines are that we have always had a lot of time together at once when he's home, when he's not on the road, we have, you know, lots of days and times together. And then he's gone for a week at a time or a weekend, or sometimes for longer stints. And realizing that when we're both here all the time, we have to, you know, set some different modes of operation. And it's been really, really good as we have um, had time to have conversations and do things that we never would have been able to do, but definitely different than we had anticipated like the rest of the world. Totally. Which I so appreciate. I feel like,
0: you know, even yesterday as um, I was on a call and doing a few things my husband was out and then he came home and and just you're sort of sometimes um vying for the same space or trying to figure out okay are we who gets the good internet space or the quiet space or all that kind of stuff so I can totally appreciate that um well let's dive in a little bit more of your story and one of the things that I have loved is that um again going back to that initial post um, I think right around the same time, you were really started talking about this idea of sharing your story in the middle of your story. And I've so appreciated that uh, because it's one thing to share, um, share a story after the fact, to share, hey, look at what we came through. And we love, we love closure. We love getting to watch the entire movie. Nobody wants to stop partway through and be like, hi, oh, I wonder how this is going to end. Um, but you're sharing some of the raw in the middle of the story. And so I've really appreciated that. Um, So tell all of us um, a little bit more heading back to um, more of the, even just the beginning of you and Peter's relationship and kind of where you find yourselves today.
1: Yes. So Peter and I met through my work. I worked for an all girls camp. So I was not anticipating that I was going to meet my husband through work. I worked with all women all the time. We served women. It was very female focused, but we did several live events for camps and for training seminars for our staff. And Peter's team was doing the production for those events. And so we had seen each other a couple of times throughout the years, not really paid a whole lot of attention until one of these events I was speaking for. And so he was the one who was responsible for putting my microphone on me, making sure I knew you know where I was gonna be on the stage and had everything set up. And so we started having conversations purely based on stand here look here you know put this on this way and I could tell that he was trying to coach me through exactly what I needed to do and I had some experience doing this and I just couldn't let it go so I had to kind of throw in there like yeah I I've done this a time or two before and I think that that just started this this We were both intrigued by each other. Not really sure what was going to happen. He lived in Nashville. I lived in Atlanta and I was 36 years old when we met. So I had been waiting to get married for years and longing for God to bring me a husband and praying for that. And when Peter and I started connecting, there were definitely these thoughts of, okay, God, okay, God, is this, are you answering this prayer? Is this the time? Is this who it's going to be? And, but he lived in Nashville. Like I said, I lived in Atlanta. So we weren't really sure how we were going to make it work, but we met in April of 2016 and we were married in April of 2017. So in the course of that year, we dated long distance, got engaged, got married, and then he moved to Atlanta and kind of started that season of life married together, which was such an answer to prayer. Mm -hmm.
0: I love um, just pausing here in this moment because I feel like where I love that you just shared you're at this all girls camp, like nothing about where you were seemed like great soil for meeting someone. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it feels like, yeah, this, that feels like one of those moments of um, this feels impossible. And I know um, I have many friends in that same situation where they're saying, I, I want to be married. I want that person. God, bring me that person. And just for the person who's listening, who's feeling that right now, what would you kind of say to them um, based on your experience of sort of uh, feeling like, okay, this is um, my person, but this really came a lot later than I had hoped in my life. What would you
1: say to that person who still feels like they're in that waiting place? Oh, goodness. I have such a heart for the waiting seasons of life because we're we're all in them but it's just it's defined so much of my life. And I think the biggest thing I would say, first of all, throw out all of the advice of like, well, if you would just become content with where you are, then God can bring him your way. You know, like all these really well-meaning things that people say, they have such great intentions but it does kind of put all this pressure on us of like, if I could just get it together, if I could just be okay, if I could just get rid of this desire that actually God has given me, if I could just cut this out and separate it away, then I'll have proven myself worthy for God to bring someone into my life. And I don't think that's how He works. First of all, he's not like up there. Well, if you would just do this, then I could answer this prayer. But But more than that, I think it devalues the fact that that God gave you this longing and God gave you this desire and it is healthy and it's normal and it is okay to long for a husband and to long for God to answer that prayer. At the same time, I would say live as much as you can fully into the season that you're in. Not that you're not longing for the season that's to come, but that you say, what are the things I do have access to right now? What am I not waiting for? What can I experience in this moment that I couldn't experience if life looked differently or that I might never have the opportunity to experience again and celebrate the fact that your season of singleness is opening doors and opportunities for you right now that won't be open when you are married. And so I know that tension is hard to find the balance in, but that's my biggest advice is. I think that's, that's such a good word. and I love that you use the word tension
0: because I think that's so much of the waiting season, whatever we are waiting for it is that um, sort of, okay, I want to live my life fully right now in this moment. What is right in front of me? Yet I am going to pursue those dreams that God has put inside my heart and I think sometimes it is the almost the that hope of a dream is something that actually sometimes can help us live fully in the season we're in right it's i have a number of things right now that i am dreaming believing and hoping for and so i kind of see those things yet that glimmer of hope in my heart is that thing that says, okay, so we can now be fully present in this moment, knowing this is, it's kind of part of this story. And I was saying to my husband, because we've been, we've shared on the podcast, we're um, hoping for some things financially that we're, we're pushing forward in. And, and he said, you know, there's part of me that like, just wants to be there. I just want to be at the end. But he's like, I also don't want to miss the middle. I don't want to miss this part of the story. Like, this is part of the story. And so sometimes it is sitting in that tension of the, like, Like, we had this financial conversation that wasn't pleasant last night where it's like, okay, that doesn't feel good. I'd rather just be like, we're at the end. It's right. victory. But it's part of, it's almost just, in a weird way, it's part of the beautiful part of this life we get to live is is sometimes being in that tension.
1: It is. And I think there are looking back, you can't always see it in the moment, but looking back, there are pieces of God's heart that you can only experience in seasons of longing and of desperation and of desire that you get to experience God. And I, I've learned this looking back in seasons of waiting. I've also learned this now living through seasons of loss, but the, the parts of God's heart that you get to experience because everything you want is not being fulfilled here on earth, I think teaches us to long for him and teaches us to long for the one who fulfills us in ways that even things here on earth can't. So there's something really like painfully beautiful about the ways we encounter God in
0: these seasons. That's so good. I think you're right. I think there is in some ways this longing we will feel that really is only ever filled in Christ. And so I think that is, and again, it is that in many ways too, I, I've i often felt like this uh, uncomfortableness in my body. And, you know, regardless of um, various weights that I've carried in my life, it's it's not even that. It's almost this like I think I'm just going to be a little bit uncomfortable here, always, just a little bit until I am home. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. It's just, it's, again, that's kind of one of those tensions as well. Like, I know the end, yet I'm still going to be living here. And there can be those moments where I can very much get into that Ecclesiastes. I don't know if that's Enneagram 4. Who cares? <laughs> it's me- It's meaningless. Just take me home. Come, Jesus. Look, let's be done. Um, but then no, like, what, what do you have in store here? Right. God, what's the beauty in this day, in this moment? And, um, so I love that. Well, I want to go, um, you guys have gotten married. Yes. And you're like, all right, let's get going here. Yes. Sort of family. We were. So,
1: yeah. And because I knew I was older, I knew that that was something that I desired, that I wanted us to have children and be parents. And so we, di- we weren't waiting Uh, And we weren't doing a lot of, you know, family planning about this is when we're going to start trying to get pregnant. And this is when we think we're going to have our first child. We were just like, let's, let's go and see what happens. And we tried to get pregnant for about a year without success, a little over a year, and had just started doing some testing and having conversations to see where things stood and I got a phone call from my doctor giving me some test results. And basically she said, based on these results, I'm not saying that it's impossible for you to get pregnant, but I am saying it's less likely. And so you've got some decisions you're going to need to make in terms of what kind of fertility treatments you might want to pursue and whether or not those would be a good option for you. And so she had given me, a phone number to call another doctor to speak with. And about a week later, she followed up and she said, have you talked with this doctor yet? And I emailed her back and I said, actually, no, because I'm pregnant. And so it was within a week of getting these results that we found out we were pregnant. And I mean, we're just overjoyed like everyone is, but just overjoyed. And I think immediately from that moment, the emotion that we felt most strongly was just thankfulness and gratefulness for what God had done. There was no question in our minds. There never would have been any question that God had done this, but the fact that it happened right at the same time that we'd gotten this news from the doctor that I'm not saying it's impossible but it's unlikely. It was just kind of this reminder that, right. But God is a God of the unlikely and he is a God of the impossible. And whatever, you know, diagnosis or projection there is here on earth, you know, God does what God can do. So we were pregnant and it was just, we were so overwhelmingly thankful and excited for what God was doing. And Really, you know, had a fairly uneventful pregnancy had, you know, extra, I, I would say I had a few extra appointments because of my age and, you know, they like to throw around terms like advanced maternal age, uh, which is better than the geriatric pregnancy. Geriatric. Yes. <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> thank you. That's a nicer way to put it than that. But, yeah. you know, because of that, we did have a few extra appointments and extra ultrasounds and things. And you know, but nothing that was really raising significant alarm or concern or anything like that. And then towards the end of our pregnancy, our, it was a girl, she was breached and she did not want to turn head down. Occasionally they would get her to turn head down. Like we'd do all the things you're supposed to do lay on, you know, I was laying upside down and putting ice packs and heating pads and all the things you're supposed to do, <laughs> to try to get her in place. And finally, at the very last minute, they had scheduled a procedure to turn her if she wasn't head down. And when we got to the hospital that day, they did one more ultrasound before the procedure and she was in position. And so it was just kind of this answered prayer of thank you, God. Like it would not have been the end of the world if she was not head down. It just would have meant we scheduled a C section and some things that weren't our ideal plan, but it would have been fine. So we were praying and asking, god you know that she would turn head down but if he didn't it was okay and so when we got there again it was this moment of god thank you you have answered this prayer she's in position we didn't have to do a procedure we didn't have to you know take those risks just you know excitement and thankfulness for what he had done and then our due date came 40 weeks and she wasn't coming she wasn't budging which is pretty normal and so we went to the doctor just a couple of days after that, that the 40 week due date and everything was fine. And they scheduled us. We went to the doctor on Tuesday and we were scheduled to induce the following Monday if she hadn't come by then. And on Thursday morning, we woke up and I just didn't feel her moving like she normally did. And, um, so We called the doctor and said, hey, is this something we should come in for? And they said, yeah, come on in. We'll check you out and drove in and then found out that morning that her heart had stopped beating. We had just been to the doctor, you know, less than 48 hours before and everything was fine. But sometime the night before, it seemed like her heart had just stopped. And so they induced our labor and we delivered Imogen stillborn one week exactly past her due date. Um
0: thank you for sharing that story with us. I know that is um probably hitting quite a few people hard who've shared um maybe not the same loss but something similar that um that place of loss and pain and being in that place. Um what were you experiencing and going through cuz you've just shared how yeah we had this moment where the doctor said it's basically impossible and yeah we had this moment where she turned and so you're having these really these high moments and these like god you're so good right and now you're basically um just the air sucked out of you this blindsided by this what just happened so what was that like for you in that moment
1: and I think that's part of the reason I share about those moments is because everything about this felt like God was moving mountains, you know, to allow us to get pregnant and to turn her into position. And he was answering prayers and everything was like, yes, God, go, 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 go. And then right at the ma- the moment that it mattered the most, it felt like just this, all of that for this, like you would answer all of these prayers and do all of these things for this to be the outcome. It was very disorienting and very confusing. And definitely, you know, the kind of thing that you're like, I I don't know that I'll ever understand God. But when we were in the hospital and in those moments, and there's, it was only the grace of God. And I understand what What is meant by the phrase peace that passes understanding, you know, in ways that I have never experienced before, because we had, even in the midst of deep pain and grief in those moments in the doctor's office and in the hospital, we had this deep settled peace that was nothing we could have conjured on our own. It was just the presence of the Holy spirit enveloping us with peace and, so, we were praying from the moment we got, we heard that her heart had stopped. We were just praying for a miracle. You know, God, you are the God of the impossible, you are the God of the unlikely. So, whether it's the fact that, you know, the doctors were wrong or her heart does start beating again, you know, whatever it is, God, we just were asking for a miracle. So, when we were in the hospital, we just, uh, I started thinking of the story from Daniel chapter three when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Because they won't bow down and worship. And they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, they say, Our God is able to deliver us from this fire and he will do it. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship your gods. And so it was just this posturing our hearts in that moment to say, God, we are asking for a miracle. We're hoping for a miracle. We're praying for a miracle. We know you're able to do this. But even if you don't, we know who you are. Even if you don't, we know your character. Even if you don't, our worship and our allegiance belongs to you and you alone. And so because we know who you are, we can ask you to do the things we know you're capable of doing. But even if you don't, it doesn't change the fact that you're good. And it doesn't change the fact that we worship you and we love you and we trust you. As you're sharing that, I was just thinking about what we
0: just talked about before. Again, that's that tension. Right. Right. It's that I am I am praying bold prayers for a miracle, and I'm also in this place of even if. Right. And um, my question for you as well is, did you have that even if stance before? Like when you talk, I love that you say that heart posture because it really is that place of this is already where my heart is set. And was that the case for you even before this happened? Or was this a moment of like, I'm choosing even if, or were you already kind of like, no, I'm, I'm in that place.
1: I think both. I think I would say, you know, we started talking about the seasons of waiting and longing to get married. And I would say that that season really did prepare and instill in me in a lot of ways, this belief that no matter how God answers my prayers, I trust him. And so some of that, I think had just been cultivated throughout years of longing for something and wanting something and praying prayers and not seeing them answered and not knowing how God was going to respond and posturing myself that way for years. But in that moment, it was a whole different level, you know, in that moment, it was a whole different level of God. This prayer matters more than any prayer I've ever prayed in my life. It feels like this, God, if you are going to answer any prayer with a yes, I believe God is answering our prayers all the time, but God, if you would answer my prayer with a yes, anytime, this is the moment that matters. So I think it was in that moment. Yes. I had, I had kind of instilled this posture in myself, but it was definitely choosing it to say in this moment, yes, God, this is, I know who you are. So I am choosing who we are going to be in response to you.
0: And as you began to live out the next
1: few months,
0: um, grief and mourning this loss, were there times where you were like, actually, I'm just mad. I'm mad at you, God. I'm mad. Like What was that like in the kind of processing over the next few months? Um, Kind of there's the shock of those first few days and moments, but then there's the living out of the reality of that grief. So what was that like?
1: Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's actually easier in the moment, you know, right then because there's adrenaline and there's, you know, there's just so much going on. But like you said, it's the living it out. So I think definitely there were moments that I was angry and that I've been mad and that, I'm just deeply disappointed. I think is how it expresses itself in me a lot is this deep disappointment that, that this is how our story is playing out sometimes like God, any other way, you know, couldn't you have done something different? And why is this the way like that our story is unfolding? And I think the way it's impacted me a lot is in how I'm expecting God to move in my life and how I'm praying. And so my prayer in these moments of anger and disappointment and sadness and, and fear and grief and loss and all these things, my prayer has been, God, keep me expectant that you are able to redeem all things. Keep me expectant that this is not the end. Not only, like you said, in the one day heaven, you know, eternal end, but it's not the end here on earth either. Like you have more things in our life here and, and you are a God of redemption and you are a God who restores. So keep me expectant for the ways you can and will move in our lives, but don't let me become entitled that you have to, because the, the other way the pendulum swings for me sometimes is like, well, God, you made us walk through this. So you better bring something better around. Totally. You better give me she that before me. and after story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you better give me the thing that I can say. And I didn't understand it at the time, but now looking back, this is what God was doing. And this is what was happening. Like, give me that. And just this, again, this heart posture of, Lord, don't let me become entitled. You don't, you don't owe me another baby. You don't owe me another pregnancy. You don't owe us another child. You don't owe us twins, you know, to not that that would in any way make up for Imogen, obviously. But again, God, you just, you don't owe me anything. and choosing that posture in the moments when I am angry and I am disappointed. And I do feel at times let down by God.
0: Wow. Um, I feel like if we we're going to title this episode right now, it's just going to be that tension. Yes. Because again, that expectation and yet the disappointment. And I love um, if people are, not, are listening and are not currently following, following Kelly, I would just say go follow her on Instagram um and subscribe to her podcast even if because i think she does such a beautiful job of very um honestly sharing about the pain and the hard places yet continuing to point you to the truth and just what she said there she's not able to say these things um flippantly but because she's walked through them so being able to say i I'm not owed something like that's a very, very hard thing to say. All those words that she just shared about um, essentially like opening her hands, giving up her, her right. And I think that we often have that sense. I know I do that in a very silly example with the weather where I'm like, our July was rainy and gross. Therefore we deserve a, you know, and it, the weather doesn't work like that. And I think understanding more of who God is, who his character is, does actually allow us to um, be able to walk through these seasons with him and through these storms. And so, um, Kelly, I want to ask you, I know I've heard you share a little bit before about the difference between knowing God is good because of his character versus because of his gifts. Can you just unpack that for me a little bit?
1: Yeah, we, for several weeks after we lost Imogen, we were showing up at church and every single Sunday we were singing the song, uh, God is so good. And the chorus is, the, the chorus of this like modern worship song is the familiar childhood song. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good. He's so good to me. And I would sing that on Sunday, and I think I could sing those words, God is good, God is so good, God is so good. But then it would get to the part where it was, I had to say, God is good to me. And those words were hard to choke out for a long time, because it's one thing to believe in God's goodness in this big general sense. And another thing to believe that he's good in my life, in the middle of my pain, in the middle of prayers that he has answered with a no in the middle of, you know, life circumstances that are not what I would have chosen and not what I would want. And I think that even in our language and I've noticed as I've grown up in church, my whole life, I've talked this way many times throughout my life, but I'm a lot more sensitive to it now. I think when I look at our language, even the way we tell stories and the way we talk about God is that when we get that, um, That full circle, things come full circle. The bow is on the end. We see the redemption. Things go according to plan. We use the phrase, oh, God is so good. Thank you, God. Yes. And that's true. It's completely true. And it's it's valid and it's worth declaring and it's worth honoring him for. But he's no less good when the answer is no. And he's no less good when we're in the middle of pain and loss and grief. And I think I have had to look at in the middle of my circumstances, say, this is one of the reasons we tell our story from the middle is to say, God didn't answer our prayer the way we wanted. Life wasn't restored. We haven't you know, gotten pregnant and had another baby. Like none of these things have happened. God is still good. God is still good. And I can declare that to myself. I can declare that to other people. And I can say like, God isn't good because he gives us gifts. He gives us gifts because he's good, but I think we also have to redefine what we think of as a gift. Because when we think of a gift, it's the baby at the end of the wait, or the husband that comes after years of praying, or the job that comes through, or the finances that are provided like all of these things. And those things are gifts, but oh, this is so painful to say, but. Getting to know God in deep, intimate ways in my pain and my loss that I wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise, that's a gift. Getting to experience peace that passes understanding when I would have chosen to never need that peace, that's a gift. And so I think it's kind of redefining how we think about gifts. God gives gifts to his children, but that doesn't mean a shiny box with a bow, That means things that are so much deeper than we would ever ask for or ever pray for or ever even allow ourselves to desire.
0: How would you encourage somebody who feels like, I don't know if I really know the character of God. Like, how would you encourage this person who's feeling like, I want to know God the way Kelly (laughs) knows God. She knows his character, what would you say to the person who's like, I, I feel like I need a deeper understanding of who God is?
1: Well, I would always say, like, let's fa- find a foundation in scripture and like, let's look at what God does for his people and who he is for his people throughout the entirety of scripture. That's one of the things that I feel like has sustained me in this season is that I'd put a lot of these stories and scripture in. And so now that's what's coming out. And so I definitely think like, who do you see God to be throughout the course of history, throughout scripture, from the old Testament to the new Testament, what do we learn about God and what do we, who do we know him to be? And I think the other way is I am honest with him about what I'm thinking and about what I'm feeling. And I wait for him to, to respond and to speak to me. And those are the times that I've experienced you know, his character the most is that when I come to him and I say like early on, I was really wrestling with the Lord and saying, God, I feel like Imogen has been stolen. I feel like she has been taken. Like I am being honest with you, God, about what I feel. I know that's not who you are, but I feel like this is what's happened. And I very clearly heard him say, no one can steal what you willingly surrender. And it was this moment of recognizing, okay, God, you are speaking to me. You are hearing me, but you're, you're, and you're acknowledging the feelings that I have, but you're also shifting my perspective to say, as long as you hold tight to her as yours, she's a theft. I have taken her from you. But as soon as you open your hands and offer her to me, she becomes an offering and I got to decide that. I got to decide if she had been taken or if she was an offering that I was making to the Lord. And so I, I just say that because I think that's how we experience God as we talk to him and we allow him to talk back to us and respond and, and develop that conversation and relationship.
0: Well, I love that those two points that you just shared and, and back to the first one where you said scripture in, and when you shared your story from the hospital, you share, oh, and Daniel three came to mind and I think that's part of the daily being in the word. And sometimes you'll be like, what is this random story from the Old Testament have to do with my life? And then there's moments where it says um, in John, and I don't I want to say 1427, but I'm probably wrong, um, where it says that really the Holy Spirit is going to remind us um, of things at the right time. And so, you know, we are we are feasting on the word of God. It's getting planted in our heart. And then when we need it, it comes to mind. And sometimes if we're not used to um, intentionally saying, I'm I'm listening for God's voice, I'm praying, we can just be like, isn't that a coincidence? I had this random verse come to mind. But it's like, no, that's the Holy Spirit living inside you who's wanting to comfort you. He's wanting to point you back to his truth. And so as we begin to A, Be in the word regularly and be, just pay attention to, like Callie said, listening to God's voice. And the hard thing is, I actually was just um, sharing about this recently with um, about my four-year-old, how she has this habit recently where she will ask me a question and I'm answering the question and she will ask me the question again and I'm answering the question and she will ask the question like five or six times and she's getting exasperated And I'm getting exasperated and she's asking the exact same question. And I'm like, you haven't listened to my answer. And the reason she hasn't listened to my answer is that she doesn't want to hear Mm. the answer. She doesn't want, she's not listening. She only wants to hear what she wants to hear. And I think what Kelly shared there too is like, sometimes we're just not wanting to listen to what God has to say because we actually don't want the answer. We want a different answer. But yet in that moment where he is going to cut through the noise of the world and all the other voices, he's going to speak truth right to our hearts. Um, Sometimes even if it's not the thing we want to hear, it usually is the thing that um, is going to guide us back to that place he wants us to be. There's this Verse in Psalm uh, 139, 23, and 24 that just says, God, search my heart and um, let me know what's kind of basically what's going on inside of my heart. And in the Passion Translation, it says, um, and bring me back to this path of peace. And I think about that as we listen to God's voice, that often it's that He wants us to bring us on this path of peace. And so I love what you shared there about that um, surrendering, because I think that is opening hand, surrendering really every aspect of our lives. We will feel a sense of loss if we feel that entitlement, that sense of this is mine. And it is hard. That is the hardest regular thing um, that I do in my life with um, my own kids and having the a lot of Moms listening have that sense of anxiety. Um, and some of it comes with um tight fisting and holding on to and controlling. Um, and I have had to say in moments of anxiety, God, I'm opening my hand here. And it it doesn't mean that hard things won't come my way. Yet I am, I know it's moving from that place of I'm I'm stewarding this right like this is this person for this season or our finances or whatever it might be it's it's the scariest thing to do to open your hand yet it is that's the place where I feel like his peace floods in
1: absolutely yeah and it's especially with our kids like you said I think it's recognizing there's no matter how long we had with Imogen Like we, she was always God's. She always belonged to him. We named her, her name is Imogen Dorothy Strife. It means our daughter is a gift from God and just really holding her loosely and saying, she always belonged to you. She was always yours. She's yours now. And whether she took a breath here on earth or not, whether she lived years and years and years here on earth, she belonged to God every moment of her life. And she belongs to him still. And that there's peace in that, even when we wish that it had turned out differently, for sure.
0: Well, Kelly, I have a few last questions as we wrap up. Um, What would you say to the woman who right now is feeling like she is walking through a storm in her life, um, has either just been hit with something or... Um, has recently been walking through a loss or pain or something. What would you say to that woman right now who is
1: in a place of pain? I would say your pain is real and it is valid and it you don't have to stuff it down and you don't have to get through it the right way. And you don't have to, you know, figure out in this moment, in the early stages, you don't have to figure out how, God's going to bring something good out of it. You just have to hold on to him while it is hard and while it's painful. And like you said, in the storm, especially, I think it's going like, okay, God, I'm writing this out. I'm writing it out. And I'm trusting that you're with me. Even when I can't see you, I'm trusting that you're holding on to me when I don't feel like I can hold on to you. And I am trusting that you are good even here you're good to me even here. That's a hard one to say. And this season is not forever. And I think that's really what I wanted to know is that like, it was okay that I felt the pain that I felt and I wanted permission and needed permission from myself that I didn't have to grieve correctly. I didn't have to, you know, be the poster child for grief or come out thriving from, you know, like there's time for that, but in the middle of the pain, just hold on. And when you can't hold on, trust that God's holding on to you.
0: Well, I love that you even just used that word, um, permission to grieve. And I think that's definitely one of the challenges that um even in our grief, we feel like we need to, it needs to look a certain way. We need to speed it up a certain way or do certain things. And, um, I just love that even in your podcast, you share so honestly about that. And I think really what it does is gives people permission to do the same in their lives, wherever they are at. Um, is there anything else you'd want to share before uh, we move on to a few other fun questions? Uh no, I think that
1: that covers it.
0: Okay. Um I want to know what's next for you guys cuz you guys have had some fun announcements and um just you know again still being in that place of tension. Um but right where we are right now in the middle what is happening for you guys?
1: Yes, yeah, so we we have been praying and hoping that God would allow us to get pregnant again for the past 18 months since we lost Imogen. And at the moment, it doesn't seem like that's the door that's opening. So we are pursuing adoption and are so excited for the ways that God can can grow our family through adoption. So excited for the possibilities that that holds. Also, like you said in the tension, entering this new stage of waiting. So, you know, and I, that's the thing, like you're waiting on husband and then you get the husband and then you're waiting on a baby and then you get the baby and this doesn't go the way you want it to. And then, so it's just recognizing our whole lives. We're waiting on something. So, um, right now we're in the waiting stage of the adoption process and that is largely out of our control, but trusting that, that God is going to build and grow our family the way he chooses to. And it's going to be amazing and wonderful no matter how, how our kids come to us.
0: That's awesome. I know
1: you had an exciting announcement
0: about that um, on your podcast. And one of the things as well you shared about is just that um, just the practical realities as well, that adoption is costly. And so um, just an invitation to people who are listening, who feel moved by Kelly's story to head over uh, to her page, my her Instagram, that my assumption is that your link is still live to be able to uh, just contribute Financially as well, sowing a seed into their family, um, as you know, they're on the waiting, waiting end um, to be picked by a family to adopt, but also um, just that it costs a lot of money, and I think that's that is a challenge. As you're like, okay, now we're we've paid a price here. It's everything is costing us a lot, and so yeah,
1: if you feel me, move to
0: go give. I would highly recommend people doing that as well.
1: Oh, that that's amazing. I not, was not expecting that. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That means a lot. And there is, yeah, there's a link on my Instagram, my profile, if anyone wants to, that's amazing. Well, I have been blessed
0: um, through your words. All your writing on Instagram as well as your podcast. Um, I highly suggest people go check that out, uh, the Even If podcast with Kelly Strife. Kelly, where else can people find you?
1: Yes, Even If podcast. I'm on Instagram. I'm at Kelly.strife, and that's S T R E I F F, and my website, Kellystrife.com. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to
0: um, continue to journey along with you in your story, and thank you for being honest and sharing um, your story with us today. I trust it's helped people move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year, and as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not gonna ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am gonna ask if while you are listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact Thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.